Hi, before we get started today, just want to let you know that my book, Modest Blessings from Modern Times, is now available for sale. You can go to modestblessings.com or you can go to the link which is in the show notes. And remember, $2 of every sale goes to Animal Rescue. And now, cue that groovy music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not a polyglot. I am not a Pollyanna. I am not Polly Shore. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. This first one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Lost Friend. Dear Quinn, a friend that I love left my life before I got married because she felt that my future spouse was emotionally abusive. He was very rude and verbally abusive to her. Now it's 13 years later, she was right, and now I have no friend and no spouse. She has rebuffed all attempts at reconciliation. How can I move on from all of this? Do I deserve all of the loneliness and regret and shame that I'm experiencing? One of the classic marks of an abuser is to separate their victim from friends and loved ones. Anyone who might say something like, hey, this new person you're dating is absolute trash. I seriously doubt your ex only expended his bile on your friend. Once he cut her out of your life, he could be just that much worse to you. I suspect you have survived abuse of some kind, and yes, the abuser is gone, but damned if he didn't leave IEDs all over your brain. The trauma is over, but also it's not. You may have more in common psychologically with a soldier back from war than you do with the average person signing their divorce papers. Your former friend will do what she does because that's what humans do. You have no control over her. What I want you to do for yourself is find a therapist who works at a price you can afford, and I want you to go talk to this person about your trauma, which is what this is, your trauma. Also, perfect world, I would love for you to research ketamine treatments. It doesn't work for everyone, but the people in my life who have done a course of treatment have seen admittedly small but incredibly useful results. Let me give you an example. Someone I know went through a trauma in his life which scarred him so badly he couldn't even say the word of the actual trauma. 
three sessions into ketamine, he's lying there in the chair with the ketamine flowing in his veins, and he saw the words sail through his brain, and he thought, that's just a word. I can say that word. And now he can go to therapy and really do the work of getting over the trauma because several internal IEDs have been neutralized. You suffered long enough. You do not deserve what you're feeling. Make today the last day it's getting worse and not better. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, a weight off my shoulders and everywhere else. Dear Quinn, I've struggled with my weight nearly my entire life. It became very apparent very quickly during the beginning of COVID that obesity was contributing to a lot of bad outcomes. It scared me more than anything else had health-wise and kick-started my health journey. The issue is, I now have people telling me not to lose any more weight or saying that I'm getting too small. Or worse, telling me they are worried I am anorexic. I've tried the I'm working with a dietitian and a doctor line and mentioned that my BMI is still well within the healthy range. I've even tried changing the subject, but the majority of the time they come back with comments about me being too small. Do you have any suggestions on how to respond in a way that will end this conversation? You sent me pictures of yourself a year ago and now, and I thank you for that because it gave me context. You have changed your outward appearance in a notable way. This startles people. When people are startled, they say stupid things. There is nothing you can say which will dissuade them from saying stupid things. If they don't say the stupid thing, it clatters around in their head like the ball bearings in a paint can, and it's unbearable to be them until they have said that stupid thing. Relative to other sizes you have been, you are now smaller. This makes them worry that maybe you will continue to grow smaller until you disappear because, again, they are startled and this makes them stupid. Add in that a woman's body, no matter what size, is always fair game for public commentary. And yes, people are going to continue to be idiots near you. Stick with your phrase about working with a registered dietitian and a doctor and feeling great, and then take a breath and say no more. If they continue to be stupid at you, repeat the same sentence, changing not a word. You are working with a registered dietitian and a doctor, and you feel great. Don't try to change the subject because that creates energy they can use to feed their stupid and go lurching back to how you're a week away from being invisible. I am working with a registered dietitian and a doctor and I feel great. Tells them you have a boundary without making you sound defensive. It's factual, it's boring, and it gives them nothing new. And having said all that, they will still be stupid for a while. It's the surcharge for your new situation. It's the idiot tax. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, it shouldn't always take a village. Dear Quinn, my friend of many years will suggest fun places, lunch, a hike on the beach, etc. Excited, I set a date. 
Then either the day before or even the day of, she announces she is bringing her youngest child. I love children, but this one is a menace. I don't know if it's his lack of social training because of quarantine or just his personality, but he is rude, he runs away, ignores both her parenting and any commands from any other adults. I have never had a problem with her bringing her older child, but I am I'm wits end with this one and feel like I have been the victim of a bait-and-switch one too many times. Should I just say I'm not available the next time she suggests something? Tell her in advance I wanted to be adult-only, or what? You may never, ever, 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 not even once suggest to someone that their child has gone a little feral. I mean, unless the point is to answer the question, how can I remove someone from my life in a single sentence? So if you can't do that, what do you do? You invite her to meet you at a bar. Then the only people screaming and being rude are the other patrons. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Silent Hubby. Dear Quinn, my husband doesn't talk when he's mad. How do I start a useful conversation with him? He has medicated schizophrenia, if that matters. Uh, thinking it probably matters? I mean, how much it matters, I don't know, and neither appears do you. Is he a person who, when angry, becomes so flooded with emotions, he can't trust himself to be able to separate what matters from conversational chaff? Maybe. Is either the schizophrenia or the medication treating the schizophrenia coming between you and him? Was he able to communicate better at some point but seems to have lost the way? Hell if I know. The problem is as silent and unhelpful as your husband is when he's mad. Having said that, here are my suggestions. One, even if you don't think you need it because you've been successfully living with and loving this man for some time, find a support group for spouses of people living with schizophrenia. Maybe they won't have a single suggestion, but also, wouldn't it be nice to hear if someone else is dealing with this? Two, at some point, I'm guessing fighting used to go differently if for no other reason than you clearly don't like the silent treatment and probably wouldn't have married someone who did it. What has changed? His diagnosis? His meds? Just the usual ravages of time which come for us all? Maybe somewhere in the past is a hint or, or, or a clue as to how to find your way back. Three, is it important you get heard or that you get heard now. Let me explain. If for some reason or a combination of reasons, he can't be present when he's angry, can you wait and talk about whatever it is at some point later? Can you send him an email which allows him to process on his terms and in his time? Can you both agree on a time every other, I don't know, Monday, where you are allowed to explain what hasn't worked for the previous fortnight? Yes, this all feels very artificial and constructed. Versailles, as opposed to Central Park. But here's the thing. Central Park was also designed. Every relationship is based on rules. Some spoken, some tacit. 
tell him what you need, which is a way to process things which come up without rising the great unspeaking one, and then ask him to weigh in on how this can happen without making him feel terrible or out of control or frightened or whatever it is this is juggling loose. He is a person dealing with some extra filigrees, but he's also a person who loves you and, I suspect, a person who doesn't want to hurt you. Let him help design the way out of this cone of silence. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Dog Godparents. Dear Quinn, our closest friends have a dog that we frequently take care of when they are on trips. We love her to bits, just as if she were our own. Mortality has been on my mind a lot, and we want to tell our friends that if anything happened to them, we would gladly assume care and responsibility for the dog for the rest of her life. It seems so morbid to talk about, so we haven't brought the subject up. Well, last night, one of them brought it up, and we all agreed that we would have the dog if the worst happened. So my question is, how do we make sure that this would happen in the event of their deaths? They both have family who are dog owners, but our friends have told us that we're the only ones they want to take the dog. Is there some kind of legal thing we should do? Yes. This has to be included in their will. It's a single sentence, but it cannot be assumed or glossed over. As anyone who has ever had to deal with a loved one's estate will tell you, grief and confusion makes even the best-hearted souls a little unhinged. It's virtually impossible to argue with, our beloved dog, Bolognese, goes to our friends, Leopold and Loeb. Then everyone can get back to the more immediate question of who gets the haunted dollhouse. By the way, if you are listening to this and you have a pet, have you done this? Do it now. I mean it. By end of today, I want you to have texts out to people who might be willing to be your animal's caretaker if you can no longer do it. And then get it in writing, which is something your pets cannot do, because while they love you very much, they have no thumbs. Before we go to our next question, I would love to tell you about Libro.fm. And yes, this is an ad. I have been very careful about not having ads up until now. I wanted to have products I really believed in and I really used. I really believe in and I really use Libro.fm. What is Libro.fm? It is an app which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 215,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You're going to get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, and I believe you know which one that is. But you will be part of a different story. This is what we can do right now for our independent bookstores. Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice has a special offer for you, the new listener at Libro FM. Go to Libro.fm forward slash redeem forward slash Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, sign up for a membership and get two books for the price of one. We can listen to books and we can help our local bookstores. Let's keep them going. And now, back to some bad advice. 
This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, COVID relatives. Dear Quinn, I have several relatives that have either been hesitant to get the vaccine, but got it eventually when given no choice, or have not gotten the shot. This has dramatically affected my perception of them. How do I compartmentalize my feelings of anger and distrust of their judgment? I think I still love them. Maybe. Do I need to learn how to free people from a cult? I don't know. Maybe we have to reframe what we mean by love for these people. For me, love and trust are threads of the same cloth. Without both, it's just so much lint. If someone I loved did something which proved that maybe my trust in them was unfounded, I would no longer love them. This is not theoretical, by the way. I have felt that moment, and it is as sharp and bright as a blade. Here's the thing. These people in my life, they don't know my feelings have changed. I like them well enough. I can have dinner with them, sympathize about their tribulations, congratulate their children on their swimming medals. But I don't love them anymore, and I never will again. As my late boss, Susan Smith, would say when someone behaved abysmally, now you know with whom you're having the pleasure. The last few years have been a stress test. Not everyone passed. If you can love someone while still knowing this about them, do so. If you don't love them anymore, smile pleasantly and make sure their kids have your phone number for when dad is incubated. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, husband obsessed with gas treasure hunt. Dear Quinn, my lovely husband is obsessed with buying gas for his car at the absolutely lowest price he can find, even if it's miles out of his way. Gas Buddy is his favorite app. I don't care if he does this when he's alone, but if I'm in the car, I don't want to play this game with him. I think it's a terrible waste of time and gas driving miles out of his way to save a few cents per gallon. How can I convince him to please just buy some damn gas and not make me go on a treasure hunt? The beings who became our ancestors survived by hunting and gathering. The really successful hunter-gatherers had more offspring. You see gas prices. Your husband sees woolly mammoths. I know it's annoying. Believe me when I say that Consort is a nearly perfect soul with some hunter-gatherer traits I would gladly consign to the composter. But all in all, it's fairly harmless, and you're probably doing far worse things to the earth than driving another quarter mile. While he saves a penny a gallon, scrolls through eBay, and do some window shopping gathering of your own. By the way, Consort got very excited about this question for all the wrong reasons. I would goof on him, but as I've already noted, I keep gathering bottles of alcohol. So who am I to talk? This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, Valentine's. Good day, Quinn. This past month, my wife and I had our 23rd anniversary. I don't want to get her a gift card unless it's somewhere really special, and most retail stores don't have her sizes. 
What kind of ideas do you have for Valentine's gifts? I don't especially respond to what I think of as the performative holidays, and Valentine's Day is basically the Siegfried and Roy of relationship moments. But 23rd anniversary, the last two spent in COVID? Oh, we're doing this one up. Just for education and laughs, I looked up the 23rd anniversary traditional present and its silver plate. So, being a cocktail enthusiast, I automatically go to a lovely new cocktail kit, maybe with a small batch bourbon of some kind that is meaningful to you, or gin. There are tons of different flavors of gin, and any one of them can reference something in your past. For example, I am currently covetously eyeing a bottle of magnolia-infused gin I read about and would be completely delighted to have handed to me. Then again, and it shocks me to even say this, not everyone wants to own all the liquor in the world the way that I do. I should note, I don't want to drink it. I just want to own it. All of it. It's odd. Anyway, I'm also guessing here, but by the time someone has lived long enough to celebrate a 23rd anniversary, even if they got married as a child, they're often pretty good on the whole objects part of their lives. Here's a thought. Can you get something from your past that's meaningful to her, to the two of you, turned into artwork? Let me give you an example. My brother-in-law was a bartender and bar owner in Manhattan in his young and feckless years. For Christmas one year, my sweetheart consort took some of the matchbooks he had kept from many of the places his brother had worked and framed them in a display box. It's wonderful. It's specific. It made my brother-in-law really happy. If there's something from early on in your lives together that would give her pleasure to see treated with the affection it deserves... Do that. And then maybe, I don't know, put it in a silver plate frame and say, Happy Valentine's Day, my wonderful wife. Now let me tell you about Quinn and all of her bottles of alcohol. I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy, that's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. If you want to show people your feelings about bad advice, we now have bad advice merchandise with our fork and a toaster logo at quincummings.com forward slash merch. We do add new products from time to time, so check out the catalog. And let me know what you think. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.